and welcome to the End the Cells podcast. Delighted you're all joining us this early on. We have 420 somewhere, Stephen Cunningham, Alistair Zach, Patrick McLaughlin already in the comments. We know it's sent there last week, but again, we can't go a week without putting the podcast out. So we're back. We're going to talk some Celtic and look back on the, the recap of the aftermath, the meltdown at Mole Hill. We've a lot to get into about that. But first of all, I'm joined by Mark Kearney, the judge from the Boise Bus. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Sorry about the, the bolt of lightning as my kitchen tonight. I don't really know what's going on here. I'm trying to position myself. It's like I've been sent down for the gods to... There you go. People tonight. Maybe that's what it is, you know what I mean? Uh, anyway, or maybe. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> to go on anyway. Thanks for the invite as always, mate. No worries, mate. Or maybe it's your judgment day and the light's coming down to get to you. No one else You just call my name, mate. <laughs> And then also joined by Matt O'Reilly. What a name, buddy. And also to you, but how was your weekend? I've seen you've been performing music everywhere and anywhere. It looks fantastic. You look like you're having the time of your life, buddy. Uh, flat out, mate. Um, yeah, just a wee weekend. This weekend I was in all the, my local haunts. All the, all the uh, class class weekend. Really, really good. Really enjoyed it. You can name the bars like it's safe. It's a safe place. <laughs> yeah, no, just, just just me local haunts, like you know, because I'm from West Belfast, so it's like like a PD felons. You know, it was it's first time because normally every weekend at least once I'm in some far flung place. Um, so um, oh cheers, right? I just seen that comment. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, not every weekend. I'm always in some far flung place. So it was nice just to sort of do the West Belfast circuit, PD, Fallons, Nancy Mulligans, Raddies, and stuff. You know what I mean? Just chanting, yeah, chanting the Celts, yeah. chanting their lives. All the rebel tunes, but we all love it. I was at the Fallons for the first time for myself about two months ago, and I've been in about four times since. It's a brilliant bar, like hundred percent, like it's it's, it's incredible. Cool, house to- yeah, I'll some laugh. Like the locals up there can be nuts, but it's good crack. But I mean, like you said, you've you've enjoyed yourself and we'll get talking Celtic here. And obviously, Mark, again, it's an international week. And maybe the, the, the news is a bit of a slow burner, but I think we've all enjoyed the, the melting pot that's happened over in, in Ibrox. I mean, to see a face they've lent out their training ground England, just to put some smiles back on them, on their supporters' faces. But I mean, if if we take our minds back to the game, obviously we, we spoke about this in depth. You have in the Boise bus as well, and I've seen your statuses on Twitter as well, Matt. So it's pretty well covered in, in terms of what we think of that game. But I do want to talk about the aftermath because what we've seen for ourselves, Mark. Now we can't be blind to it. There were Celtic fans that were booing after that St. Johnson game. Members of the the Green Brigade stayed behind the voice of I don't know what protest or get at the, the team in Rogers, which wasn't wasn't really. Necessary at that time. Obviously, yeah. we're on beating in the league. We're we'd be our main rivals and, and all the rows in the garden. But it just shows one thing for me anyway. It just takes a point dropped or, or three points dropped, then it's animosity again. And sometimes for me, it feels like fans are just waiting for that one mistake and they're fully pouncing on it. And then you see with Michael Beale, 50,000 people in the stadium. So, I mean, they locked the Celtic supporters out. They couldn't lock our team out. We come away with the three points. And the, the aftermath of that, I think, is 10 times worse than it was for us against the Johnson. And you, you look at it as well. I mean, Michael Beale, according to some pundits, this is his first uh, full season or his fifth game in charge of, of Rangers. He's only in the door. Give him time to put a style in. And I think slowly but surely, Mark, these Rangers fans are noticing one thing, that he's not a missile, he's not a world-class manager, and he's nothing to what the media portray him to be up in Scotland. No, he's not a messiah. He's a he's a very naughty boy. Is anybody's ever got a naughty python? Or what you 
we'll get that one. No, listen, I mean, I said before the match uh, last week, if all time, there'll be one manager, a genius, and one a dickhead, you know what I mean? And that's what happens in these matches. That's why you take these big jobs on. And unfortunately, when you lose the matches, you end up legging your face. But he, he's like Dr. Frankenstein. He created that monster by talking week on, week in, week out, just a lot of shit about how good his team were. He fed the press that Rangers were this, you know, well-oiled machine. And you, you set yourself up for a big fall when you talk like that, Stephen, you know what I mean? And let's be honest, uh, Brendan Rodgers, there is a, a large section of the support. No, I'm not going to say a large section, but a relatively large section of the fan base, sorry, that we kind of want him back. You know what I mean? We see now he is back. Just He's a Celtic manager, so back him. You know, I, I left Celtic Park after 50 minutes against St. Johnson because I knew we weren't going to score. I just wanted to do it there. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. Um, took some stick for that, but I left. Um, but I'll still be back next week, trust me. And... Uh, so I would I don't appreciate the fact that the folks died behind just to, to to moan at them, you know what I mean, or to, to boo them because it was almost like they were sharpening their knives and there was some sort of justification for booing them. They would they were the same ones jumping at the windies and celebrating if they won the double this year and they were they were been celebrating last Sunday. Don't get me wrong, mate, that that result was a was a team performance, but it was it was definitely orchestrated by the manager. He had set up last week was was, was what you expect for a Celtic manager, just totally emotionless. It was professional. He sat there and decided the dog out and just did his work diligently. And that's what I expect for him. Um, he doesn't get involved in the, the the emotional side like Neil Lennon did too much, I think. And 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 he he just sits and plays the game for what it is, mate, in the 90 minutes and then celebrates afterwards. And I think you've seen it full time that not only did he say the players needed that result, I think he needed to feel like he was back. And I think last Sunday made him feel like he was back at Celtic Park again. And um, I would like it for him and like it for Celtic, but uh, in, a, in a personal point of view, he was the man I wanted on at Celtic. And I feel like that was vindicated last week by, I think, the first result of many this season. Yeah, I think as well, the way you said, I think we all seen the, the cliche remark, Matt, the old Brendan back last week at Ibrox, the kind of guy with the, the cool persona, the swagger, tucking his shirt in the belt, putting it up, flexing a little wee bit to the cameras when the cameras pan on him. And like, like you said, Mark, to be fair, obviously that's all superficial. We all like to talk about that because we think he's an egomaniac, which he probably is. Every world-class manager or coach is going to be that way. But you, you look at it as well, Matt. It, for me, it was a perfect game plan. We executed both halves re- really well. I mean, a makeshift back four. I mean, we finished the game with uh, Ralston, Lagerbielka, Scales, and Mark's favorite man, Burnaby, at left back. So, I mean, so Rangers couldn't put a goal past them. And I think that added to the anger and frustration that they fought. I mean, let's be fair as well, lads. We all kind of fucking into the game. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. Some of us are thinking the worst. Some of us, some of us are planning for a draw. But that was based on the transfer window, which we're going to talk about, and obviously the form against St. Johnson. But like, with yourself, man, I don't know where you, where you were performing on Derby Day. I'm sure it was electric yeah. if you were performing. But what yeah. was your feelings from it? And also the, the meltdowns online that you see after it all? Oh, the meltdowns were my favourite thing to do after a game. Like I was just sipping a wee coffee and just read it. Just scroll through my phone and just read it and just enjoy it. You know I mean? But I think... Uh, I you put it you put it perfectly there. I think that um it was it was emotionless, you know, in terms of 
Brendan Rodgers showed his absolute his class and his, his quality in that game and I thought Celtic I thought Celtic were far and away clearly the better side so they were um, the meltdown I think it showed the arrogance from Rangers because they were they were what's the word it's Rangers were I suppose Argon says the word. Do you know what I mean? Do you sound like we pop bars going mental below me here? Um, yeah, but I thought I thought that Celtic, you know, it was professional. Callum McGregor for me gets a game in most teams in Britain. I thought he was outstanding the way he just. But do you know what? It wasn't even about my taking the game. Was I thought Callum McGregor dictated everything, and it wasn't even so much about how well he played. It was. He demands standards of every single player, and you saw him in the middle of the park. With standards that you know it was he, dem- he was demanding the ball, and I think Rangers have a lot of pretenders in their team: Rand Jack, Nico Raskin, Todd Campbell. The the, the the sort of the pretend to be top level players that pretend to have that swagger, to have that caliber to play at that high level, but none of them do. Cal McGregor has just has that aura, and he just he dominates them every time. And I thought his performance. When he plays well, we play well, and thought his performance just completely dictated the entire the entire performance from the get go. And I thought I thought Sally were full full value for the win. Second half under the caution, we been under pressure, but not really in any danger. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know? I, th- I think like it was a perfectly executed plan. And at the end of it, when Rogers done his usual kind of fist in the air type thing, it was just it was just so cool. And the way he handled the interview after it and, and stuff like that. And Mark, you've always advocated for him for a play. I mean, a lot of us have reservations when they come in. That that was compounded by the fact that we got knocked out of a cup. We, we had that draw against the Giants and then we had the high of beating them at Ibrox. And like like I said, a lot of us were going into that game being honest, probably fearing the worst, you know what I mean, in, in terms of being beaten. And then the reaction that would have came away from that. But what do you think a result could do, first of all, for, for Rodgers and the rest of the team going forward? Psychologically, it'd be a massive boost. Well, this is it. I think uh, last Sunday was probably a turning point for Celtic this season. Uh, no matter what happened, I think the the narrative was going to be spun depending on the, vict- on the result. I think if we'd lost last week, there would be a lot of people feeling like you know, like, like their opinion on a guy was vindicated that he shouldn't be there. I think that the, the good result that he got was going to be folk you know, turning their heads and saying, look, do you know what? The past is in the past. I think the result at full time, I think Celtic fans who had reservations would have probably just put all their past um, you know, feelings towards a guy to one side because that's 11 wins out of 14 matches. And that, see, last week, with the team we had available, that was the that was the justification for that man's appointment. No many mm-hmm. Celtic managers could run into Ibrox in, in a big match, Stephen. That wasn't, that wasn't a, a 10 points. It was ahead. a cauldron of hate. It and was This was, was 50,000 fans with the pressure on, not even, not even the, the match itself, but the pressure surrounding that match. If he'd lost that match... There have been a lot of people calling for his heat, or even as early as the fourth match. Believe you me, there have been folks saying this guy has come in. We all mentioned Brendan Light, etc. And he won that match. He didn't even get a draw. He he, he went there. His tactics were spot on. His substitutions were spot on. I even thought bringing on Ralston. You know, I'm a, a big fan of him, Stephen. We needed somebody who was just going to dig in at that stage. And mm-hmm. Johnson had to come off after an hour or so. He would he, he played his match. He was just come back from injury. And that showed why we have certain players that can just dig in, make the hard tackles. 
no get cocky and start running up and down the wing, just be a digger. Yeah. And that's what he was there for. He made the substitutions. I think under Ange, we made substitutions for substitution's sake. Sometimes there's like three going and three half. And I it was predictable. Yeah, it was very yeah. predictable. I thought there was no motion to it. I thought it was just something that Alarm went on his phone. He's like, oh, it's time for a sub. You know, see that with Brendan Rogers. you know what I mean? Brendan Rogers, I think, is like, it, it, he's been taught at, in the hard school of football. He's been at Chelsea, you know what I mean? He, he got, at a very young age, he was in charge of Swansea City. He got teams promoted to the Premier League. He was at Liverpool in his 30s. One slip away from winning the Premier League in his 30s, you know what I mean? Um, went to Celtic. No no point even getting into his history there. We all know what he won there. That's a guy well-skilled in winning football matches. This guy is an elite-level football manager. And last week, last week's result just confirmed that for anybody who had mm-hmm. doubts on the guy. I feel like on the flip side of that, there'll be Rangers fans, I think, that live in this bubble of shite, you know what I mean, who think, they just think that anything Rangers touch, she's will just turn to gold. And they thought... Never know And I think if last week... There was folk got in that match thinking this is going to be an easy 3 4 0 run to Rangers. They seen that team sheet at Ibrooks and they must have thought, this mob's here for the taking, and they're left with nothing. We're footing away fan. And then mm. I've just a reminder to them that you might be facing a, a weakened Celtic team, but the man in the dugout is, is able to win matches because Brendan Rodgers can influence a match by a pen mm. and paper. He's one of the only managers I've seen at Celtic that can do that. He's a, he's a tactical genius as far as I'm concerned. You might not enjoy the football half the time, Stephen, but do you know something seen me? When you're at the Scottish Cup final and you're holding up trophies and you're, and you're holding up league title, that it's worth every every minute of, of, the, of the boring nights against Hamilton Hockey and Hockey's in December. Because yeah, Andrew's got either, mate. And I think, yeah. it's, I, think it's, I think that was a line drawn under the Brendan Rodgers stuff last week and I think it's now it's right, let's give the guy He's a uh, he's fair crack of the whip and just take him for what he is, and that's a world class manager. Of course, and you mentioned tactical genius. They're um, makeshift left back, and well, against us, that De Jong Sterling, seventy first come in in the summer. <laughs> Matt, that uh, Michael Beale was a tactical genius, and on the training ground, he, he's impeccable and knows everything about football. But before I come to yourself again, I do want to come to the comments. Um, Ian McIntosh is in. The players have been used to playing one way. It's been a tough start to this change but the players will learn those off Brendan, 100%. Um, Pat McLaughlin, as soon as I saw Roof and Matondo starting, I was having a party. Strange of the doctor. I still have my reservations, but the victory over Das Folk, what? Help ease him a little. I still want us to kick on from here and win the league and do it with style. I hope that's not something bad that I said, by the way, but yeah. No, but I mean, <laughs> you, you, you look at it, Matt, and what, do you know in the commentary when I was listening to the game and it, right at the start when they talk about stats and that, I think it might have been Ian Crocker said it that uh, Michael Beale has a great record in, in these Derby games under the stewardship of Stephen Gerrard. Like, where does that even come into it? Like, why why would you put another man's manager record because he was a coach and combine combine the two and put it out there to say he had a part in that? Absolutely madness. And I remember there was an interview or a quote in one of the the shite rags at the Scottish media saying that um, Michael Beale was just slightly behind Rogers as a manager. Why do you think there's there, there's such a push? For Mike, yeah, Mark, for raising your eyebrows there. Why, why do you think there, there's such a push for Michael Beale to get over it? I said it when he first came in. I've never seen a guy being lauded so much in terms of coming into a team. Even when we got Brendan Rodgers the first time, there wasn't that the amount of media coverage. There wasn't the amount of 
like scrutiny yeah. or praise and why Mike, why is Michael Bill getting it all? I think I think for me it's it's a it's an it's a what's the word it's the, the incessant Scottish media they have to try and drive and the equality factor between Celtic and Rangers. All these two teams are knack and knack. They're going toe to toe there. But in reality, Celtic have wiped the floor of them in up 11 of the last 12 years. I've completely run over the top of them. And I, th- I think, I don't think that sits well with the Scottish media. Like, you know, Scottish football, since I can remember, since before any of us were born, it's went in cycles, you know, obviously the last. 40, 50 years would be only Celtic Rangers, you know, but before that, you know, Aberdeen had their period of dominance. It's always went, you know, Celtic then Rangers, then Celtic then Rangers, but now Celtic are, they're winning everything almost every year and the Scottish media are trying to spin that, oh, but there's this equality, they've got this top class coach, he gets schooled time and time again. Like, you know, that's, some of those pundits, the the you know that um ah, uh, but Michael Beale's first six games compared to Andrew's first six, you can all judge him. He's been here since fucking November. You know what I mean? He's had his chance to put his stamp on the team. He had a chance to go and do a rebuild. It doesn't look like he was working under any sort of director of football with any sort of scrutiny. He went and bought four players that play the exact same way. You know, um, your boy Lammers, Danilo, Dessers, and. I can't, can't mind the other guy but you know he looks to have got his recruitment completely wrong you know in terms of what they needed and see to be honest it's actually exciting because that I don't think they look as strong even if you could have called them strong last year I don't think they look as good as they were last year in terms of I think they've actually weakened you know and it's, mm-hmm. it's a good thing and I think Celtic are probably at their at in terms of injuries, in terms of a lot of different factors, still getting used to, you know, a lot of the players still getting used to Rogers being back. But I think Celtic, Celtic will only get stronger. And I I, I think Rangers look to have maybe hit their ceiling already in terms of how good they can yeah. get. Do you know what I mean? Well, obviously, we know we're four games in, but don't want to look, look too far ahead and say this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But I do agree with you in the aspect. You, you look at their lineup and there's, they don't have a winger. They don't have an out-and-out striker. No Dessers is that, but he, he didn't really perform well against us to be honest I know people were calling said it best more like dessert at, at some points in the match you know what I mean? but and you look at it as well Mark they're, they're calling for people I heard that on the super scoreboard one of their fans started crying at the end of a call um, what, some fan what the Colin Davidson David Martin deal this to me is what as Matt rightly pointed out 11 out of 12 years we've dominated the landscape of Scottish football and they want managers like a Colin Davidson and Martin deal to come through the door. Yeah, Mark, I think yeah. for us as, as, as Celtic fans, Mark, yes. it, paints, it paints a picture that we've put them in this position. And if we keep going like we are going, it's going to be years to come before they even do anything. I, I wish Stephen would put their, our foots on their throats and completely squash them. Celtic still give them a wee inch of hope with our own mismanagement of the finances we've got. Right, we'll get on to that. See the transfer window because I know you had you had yeah. reservations and and rightly enough I've seen it and we, we agreed on some things as well. So with the two, what I does ask there, do you not think do you still not think the transfer window was good enough? No, I was. I think it was absolutely fucking shit. If I'm being totally honest with you, but I said the other day on on the boysy bus, like all being told, I don't think we know how good or bad it is yet because none of the players have played. But that's part of the problem, mm. problem Stephen. We can't be sitting new saying to ourselves. All right, we're in October soon, and we've not saw a player make an impact yet for the signings we've made. We've not saw one player come in and say he is first choice or he's a first eleven player. 
Ray Palmer might come in, Bernardo might come in, Tilio might come in if he's allowed in the country. I don't know where he is. Uh, I've not seen the boy with a select tap on all in the day signed, but and you know, so it's hard. I'm not judging the players whether they're good enough to beat Celtic. Yeah, I'm not saying that. If you look at the one of your court banked in the bank, the Celtic same players, right? We normally sign players who are, you know, 19 to 23, mm-hmm. a certain level, right? So see the money we've got? We had a chance to to bypass that year, year and a half period where, where teams develop players to the next level. We had the money to bypass that stage and go to the next level after that and get the £6 million player rather than the three and £4 million player. Now, I wasn't expecting 25, 30, £40 million spent on one player. We are sitting with a wage structure just now where we are paying guys... 10, 15, 20 grand a week. We are paying guys 35 grand a week in 23 years ago, Stephen. There's guys getting yep. less money than the Mab Douglas got 23 years ago. You know what I mean? That's the reality. We've got a guy on a three and a half million pound Palmer. He was ready to go to Rangers in, in May or, or, or June or whatever it is. So that, that wasn't a, a hard deal to go over the line. Why did why did we wait to a, a stage where it, it became impossible for that guy to make to play in a very important match because Celtic left it that late? Celtic didn't have one new player starting in that 11 except uh, Laga Bielka. I wish I started rather than him because he was awful. But, um, and that was Celtic's own doing. Celtic had enough money to give, to give the manager enough options at an earlier stage where he could have impacted the squad. Now, the injuries to the, to the centre-backs, impossible to predict that. And the club acted by bringing in Phillips. You can't, you can't slag them for that. But bringing in Tilly injured no seeing him in the face of the earth. Bernabe, Bernardo far too late. Um, uh, what do you call him again? Uh, the other one, the Palma far too late. These players are who you sell, you who you fought, their impact, first 11 players. They're brought mm-hmm. in at a stage that was far too late to make an impact. And we went to games at Rugby Park where we can team get kicked out of a cup. We've got the Champions League coming up in two weeks' time. We've got a group of players up until last Sunday who won who won the in my opinion gelled into this new system yet and we're bringing in new players into this new system that isn't gelling yet and that doesn't bode well. I think the problems that existed last Saturday night still exist tonight, Steve. Hey Stephen, if nobody had to disappear, certainly come and turned into a fantastic window or a great side because of beat Rangers last week. I think there was yeah. more hate than that, you know what I mean? And I think the window, if you actually look at it and say to yourself, between 50 and 80 million pound the bank, depending on and that's spare cash. And we spent we made like a 10 million pound profit on the window, you know. I mean, and I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's good enough. Now, Palmer, Bernardo, all these players, I'm not saying they're gonna make an impact because they might just make an impact, right? I think I think the majority of players that have been brought in are squad players. I don't think any of them is gonna come in and, and demand first all in fact or straight away. We should have been playing that game at Ibrooks. With at least three or four brand new players in that first eleven. We should have had a new keeper, in my opinion, a new left back, mm-hmm. in anybody's opinion. We should have had a new left winger, although Maeda played good. We should have had somebody in that in that midfield rather than David Turnbull. I mean, come on, why that, that guy is still invisible? I don't he's kicked the ball yet at Ibrooks. And Abada, Abada's went to being being somebody who who you went, okay, he's on the bench to this season being a first a first pick. See if you got a, 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 a bada. O'Reilly, who was third pick last season, Tumble, who was fourth pick, fourth pick last season, you get to free them on the park as first as first choice picks. That means you've regressed, Stephen. If you've got mm-hmm. Maeda 
is your out and out best winger. When last season he was getting accommodated uh, by a manager who who was trying to use his work rate rather than his ability. If that's your is that if, if they're first eleven players, we need serious threat are getting uh, that the jersey took after them. That's Celtic's regression, and if you've got eight million pound the bank, that's it's just about as bad mismanagement of money than a board who's overspending. Because one thing you can say about a board who overspends, they might put short term uh, uh, finances at risk, but at least they try to back the club to win success. Your club won't spend money they have got for it to get success. They're they're bored across the road. They'll spend money they've no got, and mm-hmm. I, I think there's going to be a middle ground somewhere. Well, you've got to, if we're paying players like Palmer 11 and a half grand a, a, a week, right? Bernabeu's on five grand a week. He was a three and a half million pound player. It was in, in the papers the other day, that it was revealed in court that he gets five grand a week. Bernabeu, right? 20 grand a month he gets, right? If we're paying three and a half million pound players five grand a week, and we're paying Neil Lennon 35 grand a week in 2001, then that just shows you how, how Celtic have regressed in their ambitions. The, the scene tickets are nearly twice the price. Just strips have went from 35 to, to, to 70 and 80. <laughs> you know, and, and yet Celtic are regressing with their spending. And I, yeah. I don't think last week's result should mask the fact that we had a shit show a, a, a window there, Stephen. Let's not pretend because it was an utter shit show. I think if we had lost to Ibrox, the conversation about the window would have been totally different, mate. I think, I think you're 100% right. I mean, you can't take a result in isolation, Matt. And it was a great result as it was. We all lived on the high. We still are living on the high. Obviously, the, the result of our nearest rivals. And you see it in the comments as well. People are talking about, is Lawwell involved? Is it money retention? Uh, Steve O'Matson from the Boise Bus saying he's enjoying the show. Uh, James Hislop said, you're spot on. Uh, Monty said the same, Mark. So there's different of opinion. Um, and to be fair, I'm probably aligned to what Mark's thinking. Looking at the team that went out, and I'll give you Melnick's reaction beforehand. I text my group chat going, "What the fuck is this shit?" That that was literally my text because I looked at the team. You're going into a, a fatal game. Every derby is a fatal game. See all this pish about because it's the first. It doesn't matter as much. Don't care if it's first or last or in between. You need to beat the rivals. I don't give a fuck in, in that instance. But you, you look at it, Turnbull. I thought it, it, he's far too slow for, for a midfield free. Um, you looked at skills. I know Phillips was injured, but is Scales really who we're going to turn to in our, in, in our hour of need? Albeit he had a great game. Yeah. Mieta, like you said, these guys did have good games, but I think the point that I'm trying to make, and Mark as well, we're, we're still in this kind of conundrum where we're, we're debating with ourselves all the time with six, seven, eight million pounds, and we're all thinking like accountants. We're thinking like how a Lawwell, how a board member would think and be, it's just going to put us in the red, or we're going to be in debt, we'll not get the money back in this player. But, I mean, you, you, just, you looked at the window. Scott McTallamy was never going to happen. Eric Dyer was never going to happen. We're not saying go out and bang out 30, 40 million quid or grand a week in wages on players like that. But the next bracket of player is the six, seven, eight million pound player who can come in and make an impact straight away, a player of experience. You look at the likes of Club Bruges, you look at Anderlecht, you look at teams like that, to a lesser extent, that make inroads in European football by that trade model they have. But the biggest difference with them, with them teams is they receive £30 million on the transfer fee. They're spending 20 of it. They're spending £10 million on a player to be replacing the star man they lost straight away. And I think Celtic, we, we talked about Edward, Matt, £9 million quid. 
and it feels like it's going to be a long way away before we break that transfer record again. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of. I don't know if you like sort of many arguments on your, on your, on your oh, show, uh, but it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of slightly disagree. Um, to an extent, <laughs> I can totally, yes, we're all. <laughs> I can totally, I can totally get your point. Um, totally get your point, Mark. Um, I think you're bang on a lot of what you're saying, but you know the transfer window, Celtic. Like Celtic is everything to me. It's everything to use to as well. But I think we need to be realistic in that Celtic doesn't mean as much to, uh, to those players out there in terms of, you know, who's to say Celtic weren't trying to get that nine, ten, eleven million pound player and just well, you know, there was talk of potents, there was talk of other players of that ilk. What I think is Celtic's Celtic's saying name players in in that window there. I mean, you know. Maybe we we'll talk about them being project players. We we'll talk about them, you know, whatever. But they still went out. They still the, the their outlay was was large. It was larger than normal. I think you're talking. You were talking maybe upwards of twenty million they spent. Um, whether these signings will come off still remains to be seen. The team at Ibrox, you'd name treble winners from last year, and do you know what I mean? At the same time, you know, Days and Meta at parts last year looked an absolute world beater. You know, mm-hmm. I get, I get what you're saying. Celtic may need the upgrade in the future, but right now, you know, I don't think Celtic can do without him in terms of his work rate, in terms of how aggressive he goes and gets the ball back. I'm sort of going a couple of points here. Um, Abada, Abada's numbers last year were better, were our be- best of all our wingers. They were better than Jadis. So mm-hmm. Abada can't really be, you know, you, you know, he was out of the team under Ange, but numbers and stats speak for themselves and. Leo Labada probably has the highest ceiling of any Celtic winner, winger in terms of what he could go on to do. You know, so Celtic need to nurture it and need to, you know, the play, the trade model that they've got, go and nurture him and go and get 25, 30 million for, for him. You made a great point, uh, Stephen, with the, uh, you know, the Anderlecht, the Club Rouge model, the Ajax model. Celtic need to be doing that, but, you know, that mob across the road have sort of see, have shown what can happen when you just sort of splurge on a player that's not right. Aaron Ramsey being a perfect example. I do think, just looking, reading between the lines, Celtic probably have tried to go and get that 10, 11 million pound player because I don't think Rodgers would have come back with, uh, unless he had assurances that, you know, we are going to go and try yeah. and get that player. We are going to go and try and push on and kick on. But it's maybe just not come off this one though. But I do believe that in future windows, it will come off and Celtic will go and break that mould and go and get that £10 million player. It maybe just wasn't right this window, rightly or wrongly, but I'm not... I, like, if we go and get it to winger for £11 million and he stinks in play suit, I don't want that to happen. I'd rather Yang go and kick on for £2.5 million, do you know what I mean? You know, names don't need, names shouldn't be bought just because they're a name, is what I'm trying to say, do you know what I mean? That's my view. No, but just quickly, if I can, Stephen, well, just go to say... Rogers came out and said he saw the reports that he's he had that reassurances to come back to the club. He said, I didn't get any, any reassurances. He said, in fact, I now know the model more than what I did know in 2016. Yeah, I'm more comfortable with it. So, but what I will say is, uh, see, Abada, I think there's fitter players, and I think Matarelli's the exact same player, whose stats will will disguise their actual influence on a football match. I, I think Abada comes in at the right moments and he, he's involved in key moments. You're absolutely correct. But I think his overall contribution to the actual 
we could do better than that. I think his stats are good. I don't think you're getting 25 million for that boy if it was in Monopoly. I, don't, I really don't. I think he's a 10. I think if you knock back 10 million, I think that's probably that boy's worth. I'm surprised Celtic knocked that back. But that's the thing. See, Rangers, that's one thing that people misunderstand with Rangers. They didn't go bust because they spent too much money. That's a myth. They went bust because the, the bank who they owed the money to was was sold to Lloyd's TSB. Lloyd's TSB said, what's this? A £25 million overdraft that they can't afford. The debt was called in. That then issued uh, people to get, you know, really hear them, scare them about their finances. At the exact same time, the, the HMRC issued a, a statement of intent to take over the the the, the to, to take over take over the administration administration. So that's all what happened at one time. They didn't spend money they didn't have then with the administration. They, they didn't pay their taxes and they, they, they burn up an overdraft they couldn't afford to pay back. They, but they could have paid that back if it wasn't for the, the 2010 recession. They were they were paying that back chunks at a time. But the recession is what killed them because the bank closed down and then the bank took, took them over. Plus, don't forget, you don't need to go boom or bust. There's a middle ground here. Celtic, I'm not expecting Celtic to spend... But we've had COVID. COVID was a rainy day and Celtic survived that. We've had a rainy day, right? Don't spend £80 million if you get £80 million in the bank. Spend 40 You could have had the biggest scene ticket fan base outside, I think, Man U in Britain. Right, you've got football strips getting sold left, right, and centre. Now we haven't got the finances in England. I know that, right? But if if you're sitting with the finances you've got, and you're up to the last day of the window, and you can't get a deal over the line, that tells me that you haven't planned for that correctly. If that guy was wanting forty grand a week, your top bill was thirty grand a week, and your manager's telling you that you want he wanted that player, and you get to that last day of the window knowing exactly what money you need to spend and you don't spend it, that's on you. That's on you as a as a finances man at the club. Celtic got, a, got an obligation to their shareholders. That's your biggest problem. Your two biggest shareholders, Dermot Desmond, and I think it's an umbrella company called Linsel Train. They want, they, Sounds like a film. Aye, they, they, I know. They want a dividend to their... They want, see, most shareholders in a club nowadays, their fans and all this, they, they don't expect big dividends. These folk, they... Lizzo train day, they, they want 18% of Celtic. So the thing is, that the spending can't be reckless. We're never going to be that bad. Matt, you know what I mean? It's, I don't think, it's, if you get £25 million for Jota, well, 19 with 10, you give you, you, you get money. £5 million for Ange, £4 million for Starfelt, and then a couple of million pounds for all the, the, the push that left and all. You can, you can afford to at least spend that before you even touch the piggy bank with fifty million pound net. So I think, and you're right to be you to be like enthusiastic about the next window because I think Celtic owe their fan base and the manager who come back. A big I think though you have to, you make the things we've said next window, next season, well, next see, window, next remember, season. I said I said for day one, the window starting, I had zero faith in Celtic spending money. You did. I said for day one, I was getting told I was stupid on Twitter. I was getting told. Even on my own my podcast, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And do you I, know what? I was hoping I was wrong. But do you know what? I, I, I think Celtic would be the only club. This is one thing to think about. Celtic would be the only club, I think, if a Saudi billionaire took them over, they wouldn't spend the money. 
I still think that we'd be the only club no to spend it. If we get £100 million tomorrow, and the deal was, or you go today, spend it. So I think we say not yet. That is, that is our board, mate. I think our board are... We've got a board who's been in situ for 17 years, and you're told that a board should be changed within every five years or so. And we've got the same board for 17 years, just changing seats. I'm going to say something, right? and I totally agree. It's like musical tours, but see watching Matt try and get in. He's busting his chops, because I knew for a fact Sorry, that he would, dis- he would disagree, because I remember seeing, I think it was just one of his Twitter posts, and it was like, overreacting to the window, and I knew this would be a sub- subject that he'd want to get his teeth kind of stuck into. I'm actually, I'm, actually, I'm actually glad that you, you brought up the transfer window, but Matt, you, you go ahead and reply. I just wanted to say that, because oh, I was watching you trying to get in. I know, I just, um, I think, you know, I, I love... You know, listening to both of you talk, I think you're talking so much sense. But the one bit of sort of content that I can't take is Abada would only go for 10 million. Abada is, you know, Abada is going to be Celtic's next 25 million pound player, in my opinion. The the other thing is, Matarelli, Matarelli, not just saying because he's my namesake, but Matarelli, (laughs) in my opinion, could be anything he wants to be in football. I don't think so. Even, even more so than Hatate, even more so. You know, I think Matarelli has such a high ceiling, but I agree with you. What infuriates me about him is he is so inconsistent to the point that boils my blood. But we need to remember, you know, he's 21 year old and he's, you know, he will get better. He will get better. He will improve. But see, regarding the transfer window, I, I, I think you're, you're talking so much sense in terms of like, you know. I thought you were going to say shit. <laughs> the, amount of, the amount of money that Celtic have recouped and Celtic have taken but I think there has to be that sense of realism like for us that we don't know what's going on the board. I agree Peter at all but I think it's also it's a naive sort of sense a lot of fans are like oh Lovell's back and he's he's dictating things again I think you're mental if you think Peter all ever left Celtic he's always mm-hmm. been there he's always been kicking about he's always been in the background talking yeah. you know getting in people's ears Michael Nicholson had showed us where for the car, the Carter Fickers deals, you know, the, the Jota deals last year. This year, slightly underwhelming. But see, the same team still spent, like I keep saying, name players, you know, that he can't budget for the fact that four centre halves are going to get injured and he has to maybe go and pay a portion of wages that maybe earmark for somebody else on that Phillips. You know, the, you know, the midfield area, you know, I didn't really feel we maybe needed your boy Bernardo. I would have liked another winger, just personally, or another striker. But the, the you know, but I think you know, you look at Saldi, you've, you've made it, you've Palma, you've Tilio, you've Yang. You know, a lot of these boys are, you know, that, that have mentioned they're still try, untried and untested. But I mean, like if you look at Tilio's pedigrees in Australia international, um, Palma highly sought after, Yang. Support, supposedly the next big thing in his homeland so I think there's reasons to be optimistic about Celtic's transfer window like I'm you know me Stephen like, you've got have me on Twitter for ages like I'm the eternal optimist when it comes to Celtic and I get called I get called a happy clapper like nobody else but one thing I wanted to come to you Stephen um, I was waiting on my letter in the post uh, from yourself apologies and about Joe Hart after our performance wow. and I Wow! Listen, listen. I think I, I think the, I think the podcast after I said he played well, but I mean he, he's come up he's come up trumps and he he's kind of took that kind of mess about with the ball. I think Rogers has changed that in this game, but it doesn't get away from the fact Matt 
that we should have been either getting someone in to challenge him to get into next season or getting the first choice keeper in. I think with I, Joe Hart, people are people are hanging on to this interview. Now, do not get me wrong, by the way. It was emotional watching it. But when he was talking about Cal McGregor, there was tears. And it's like, that's, that's fair enough. We're all human beings. It's emotion, 100%. But at the end of the day, we needed a bad... If, if we're looking at Europe, Matt, let, let's be fair here. I think another... Look, look, look at, look at Levakovic. And there was rumoured yeah. he was nine million quid. Yeah. He left and joined the club for six million euro. So, like, mm. the fee was totally misconstrued by the media. We don't know if we're in for him. But even if we, if we were not fell down, why could we not have, go to the second, third, fourth choice in that list? Because yes. I know I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying about Joe Hart and Matt, the latter in the post. But to be fair, I did say it in the podcast after he played well and they gave him his dues. But it doesn't <laughs> escape it doesn't escape <laughs> my mind that he, he needs to well either be number two or or sadly to get number one in. No, I I agree. Lubakic, Luv- if that's how you pronounce his name, um, sadly could like I always maintained, you know. I didn't think it was anybody suitable for Sally to go and get who would have been an upgrade. But if they had got him, I'd have been delighted. Do you know that way? Like, you know, um, he was the one that I looked. But I look, you know, within Sally's pressure, a lot of Sally fans on my Twitter, you know, were going, oh, but we need someone who can play from the back, who can, you know, who's brilliant to save a penalty, who's commanding in the air, who comes out and he can join in, the, you know, he can build the attacks. Those type of goalkeepers cost £40 million nowadays. Do you know what I mean? Um, so Celtic need to be looking at another market. That creation boy was the sort of exception to the rule. He was in our price bracket. He sort of ticked a lot of them boxes. But, like, you know, I just think, I think Celtic, like, we keep talking about their under plan for next year because Joe Hart will go at the end of this year and they don't have, Bain's not good enough, Seagers clearly as I'm fancied. So they're going to have to go and get a keeper. So they're going to have to go and spend the money for it. But I just, who do they get? I don't know. Not, we'll, we'll, end up with, we'll end up with Sander Clark or something. Well, there normally is. This is what I'm forgetting. So Celtic had two sources. There was the top drawer with a black book with Dodo Dan's name in it. And then there was a speed dial to Mark Lawwell at Man City. Now Lawwell's new already in the building. So who's he going to phone, right? And then Dodo Dan's ran out of options. But it looks at so Celtic Celtic under Ange were going out and going to markets. First of all, we were going to the markets because they were cheap. That's why the board were so enthusiastic about Ange using them. Not because they thought he knows a player. He was in the scouting network and he was so identical and the kind of the players that he wanted had to be so specific to what style of play that he was wanting to play. And I don't think he could drum into uh, um the, the coaching staff so early. So late in the window to bring in the players that he wanted. Michael Nicholson, I think, has been given a lot of praise for. I think the best stuff at, at the window was done before me before Nicholson came in. It was Don McKay that brought in Kyogo, Don McKay that brought in Carter Vickers, Don McKay that brought in Jota, uh, Don, Don McKay that brought in Starfield. I think Mark Lowell took over, right? And since he's come over, we brought in Carter Vickers and Jota on full time contracts. See, after that, it has been by large a lot of shit. That Mullerwell had a good job at Man City. Man City's probably got 300 players in their academy just now. I bet you that one of them makes a first team appearance for any team in the, the top flight in England. You know what I mean? They're no all superstars. You know what I mean? You got, you got every penny you, you, could, you can count. You know what I mean? The best players come to you without having to ask. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're not scouting Japan and saying, who have you got? Anybody is an agent will be contacting these clubs and saying, 
I've got five sixteen year olds. Do you want to come in for a two week to, to have a look at them? You know what I mean? That's what happens, mate. And Man City are the pick of the litter because or they go to pick a litter because the by far they're the biggest resources in England. Do you know what I mean? They've got a, a training centre that looks like a, a mini estate, you know what I mean? There's the buildings where the place are still building it just now. They they don't need to work hard to bring in the best young talent here. This is a so if, if anybody thinks Mark Lawwell was sneaking under undercover into Australia to watch under 14 matches and bring there the best talent to, to Man City, they're totally wrong. A guy just sat in situ, probably made phone calls to the the, the the Man City network, did certain jobs probably really well to be at that level. But there's no think that he's coming to Celtic Park as some sort of guru that's going to change Celtic into the next into the next Man City. By and large, the players he's brought in have been absolutely fucking shite. He's brought in Awata. He's brought in Kobayashi, who who I think has come out a lucky bag. Burnaby, who's a lot one, he won a raffle. You know what I mean? Uh, I like oh, I like Burnaby. Oh, I don't know where O's came from, but I send them back. And you can mind them all off. There must be about 10 players in that Celtic squad to know that are nowhere near good enough. And I'll be talking about a bit of bad. We'll get, we'll get back to him. But see when, see when you're just looking at Celtic, you've got Matt O'Reilly, who there's question marks over, and Matt is right. He's a good player. David Turnbull, nowhere near Celtic class. When these guys are starting derby matches for Celtic, guys in Maeda, who's a workhorse, did a great job. But Celtic are, are much more than a, than a workhorse team. This is Celtic we're talking about here. If we can't go and break down, break down a club and bring in players that we can afford, that we can afford, then ask our club no doing things correctly. I don't say you, you can't praise a club for us winning trebles and doubles, but I think a lot of Celtic success in the last 23 years have been in spite of your boards meddling, not because of your boards meddling. And I think Peter Lowell signed for Celtic in 2003, they reached the, they reached the UEFA Cup final, and Martin O'Neill's reward for that was Stephen Pearson. This is what you're talking about here, mate. Uh, Porto went out and signed one player and won the European Cup. And we matched that team. We matched that mob. Or, or as close as matched that mob. And Celtic have two seasons of success. They digress. Two years of success, regress. And it's a recycle we do. We back a manager for the first year or two. Then they fall off a cliff. They start to reduce, they start to sell, they start to know the place. He'll go for six million, put five million pounds for Tierney. We'll be bringing a boy for Kamarnock. We'll get four million for Foster. We'll buy a tell you, do you know something? See, you're talking about you're talking about Stephen Pearson there. It's just a, a, a mental story here, it's just came into my head. My uh my brother in law played with Ur in Scotland, and when Stephen Pearson signed with Celtic. He his first game was a behind closed doors bounce game at Lennox Town against her. And but he said players will come back from injury. He tells a story all the time, like he's living over he's head of youth at Cliftonville. And he said that uh Stephen Pierce was, was an absolute shambles joke, how good he was. And they were looking, going, That's their next star, that's their next big thing. Now, I, I was underwhelmed by him at Sally, but just a just a Random story in the head. He said oh, when, right. when he he came in, they were like, "Shit, he's going to be their next big thing." Just after the one the year, but when he came in from Motherwell, I so, you know, the, the only crazy thing is, I started this podcast. Think we had barely anything to talk about, and we'll talk about a few things. Now we're on the Stephen Pearson 
Now we're on to 2004. Peter Lawwell signed in 2003. I mean, to be fair, it's, it's good to go down a rabbit hole, like, but we'll, we're bringing it back up the, the modern day and we'll talk about the, the international break as much as that debate was fun. The transfer window is always going to be up for debate. Everyone has different opinions. One of us is this side, the other one's that side, and someone's in the middle, so it's always the same. But then the international break has is, came, is um, Matt, and probably for us, the wrong time because we want to get stuck back into this football for Celtic and Abada was on... Uh, international duty for Israel and unfortunately he's had to come back with an injury it looks like he's going to be out for a month to two months and you mentioned him saying he's going to be our, our second or again the 25 million uh, player bracket when he gets sold I know Mark doesn't think like that but I mean and Mark, Mark was to... celebrate when he got injured <laughs> <laughs> but coming to you about Abada that leaves us again short in, in that department so who would you go with who would you throw in against Dundee at the weekend I think I would throw Yang in. thought he looked good. I mean, obviously, there was not a, there was, wasn't a lot of positives from St. Johnson game, but I thought, I don't know if you agree, Mark, um, being at the game, I thought Yang was the one that sort of looked, he looked positive. He was trying to get at them. And I think, you know what I mean, if he's going to make this a Sally prayer, he needs to start somewhere and he needs to just get him in, get him in the team, work him into the team. And uh, and just, you know, just give, give him his opportunity. You know, nice, nice, best, as good a time as ever. But, uh, yeah. or, but, I can't see him going with Forrest though. Oh, Rogers oh, loves Forrest. Man. I can't see man, him going. Don't, 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 don't get him started. Don't get him started. I don't want him. To, <laughs> but I can see him going. With, but I want him to go with Yang. I think Yang and Meta. Yeah. Yang, Meta, Hugo. I think as well. I think you have to look at this as well, Mark. I mean, a lot of times under Pasta Cody, especially in the first season, players took the chance when other players were injured. Abada mm-hmm. came in, scored goals. Jada came in, scored goals. And we had done the same. So they, they took the opportunity. I mean, with Yang or with even, I don't know, who else could you play out there? James Forrest or whatever. He could come in and surprise us all. But with Abada being out, now it's a bit, a, bit of, a bit of a blow, let's be honest. He's been in decent form since the start of the season. He got that new deal. I mean, it seems like every time a player signs a new deal at Celtic, they get injured. Stephen Welsh, obviously, case in point there. But who would you throw in against uh, Dundee and the Wings? And also, is it a concern that Abada's going to miss a period of time, especially for Champions League coming up? Well, I'd rather have a, a Black Forest Gattle than James Forrest, to be quite honest with you, mate. I don't <laughs> think he's anywhere near Celtic level nowadays. Yang, he's probably been... When the players have signed this window that we've actually saw in the flesh, I think Yang is probably been the one that's quite exciting. It reminds me of about totally Jota, just quite mm. direct. You know, he's very direct, and I like that in Celtic wingers. If we get wingers that can run and beat a player, that always concerns me. Um, this boy can do it. In fact, he does it too much. He's he's wanted to beat them three and four times. I think sometimes you might be a bit more, you know, clinical. Uh, but he's just trying to impress. I like the boy. I really like the boy. I think um, he looks like. I think he was signed by Ange Postecoglou. To be quite honest with you, I think he was part of that double act. Him and Quan. Uh, when we talk about him, I've ended up the indigestion talking about him. Um, uh, so I think I'd be quite excited to see him for the start because he looks really electric, mate. And one thing that concerned me with a midfield, I don't think you're going to see Turnbull on Sunday, Saturday. I think that 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 uh, experiment's passed, thank God. But one thing that's worried me is the pace Celtic are playing it. And I think you might see the one in midfield. It might just be Carl McGregor with Matt O'Reilly in front of him. And I think we'll probably make up the midfield with Bernardo, I think. But I think you'll see Yang for a bit of pace and all because even just Palmer, I mean, that would do me. I mean, Palmer looks like he's like, he looks very 
Bernard will look pretty slow and he's I don't know if you've noticed that in his highlights videos. I look pretty How many watched it? How many watched it? I watched him. I, I tend not to watch them then I then I go, I'm gonna watch this. He looked quite another kind of two, three touches kind of man. He looked a bit like you know, he was walking on like Angel Delight rather than on grass, you know what I mean? And, but as long as he's got a football brain, it, it might no matter. But this is the thing that's worried me so far, and I think it was solved last Sunday by having Carl McGregor having a lot, of, a lot of space. But I think Carl McGregor's role last week was different. He was sitting himself with the two in front of him. Celtic have been playing really slow in midfield. I think that's been the biggest problem with Celtic now. And up until last week. And if we're going to link up a bit better, that might include wingers that are ready to take a man on, like your Palmas, your Tellios when he's back, like your... Um, uh, your Abadas, your Yangs. I think Abadas probably missing that wee bit of confidence sometimes to take a man on. He's got everything else in his game. He's good at he's good at getting beyond a man. He can sneak in the back post. He's he's quite tricky. He's like another striker sometimes. Uh, Abada. He's probably missing that wee bit of confidence to take a man on and get to the byline. And that's probably if he gets that right, he could, he could be a twenty million pound player. But I, I just think when the players we've got just now. Matt said that it's spot on in my opinion. Uh, Yang looks to me like if if he doesn't get a start this weekend, I think he'll be a bit disappointed. And I think you might see I'm gonna surprise you. I think if there's a, there's a tweak to the defence this week, I think the one that drops out is Lager Bielka because he he was the worst player in that park, including the Rangers players on Sunday. I don't think so. I think he, he was, was good. Nice. He was terrible. I neither did I. He made one mistake. No, I, I've watched that game back. He made about 25 mistakes. And he was, if you look at even the mistakes that he was making that didn't lead to anything like a corner kick, he was making a lot of mistakes. The ball was going to the top of his head. He was mistiming challenges. He was letting guys in behind him, constantly doing that. And I think if you had to give somebody a, a mark last week that was concerning, I think Scales was, and McGregor were the two best players for Celtic. I think that's quite... Fair to say that I'm not a big fan of skills just now, but I think he's proved to be a good. I do, sport. I do have to say, I, I do have to say one thing. Like again, it's all different opinions, but I thought Lagerbelka and him and Scales done a fantastic job at the back. I really did. I know, I know what you're saying. There was misplaced yes. passes and things like that, but at the end of the day, it was bad, Stephen. Everything that was, was bad, he was involved in it. I, but at the end of the day, we still kept that clean sheet. And obviously that shows how incompetent they were in front of the goal. But I think if you look at a makeshift back four, Mark, as well, I mean, we, we spoke yeah. about it. We finished with Burnaby, Ralston, left and right. And it was really yeah. inexperienced. So effectively, they're looking at skills, probably to be the most experienced player in that back four. And even at that, like you're looking at it going, that could be dodgy. But I thought they held the fort quite well. And Larga Bielka, to me, yeah, he was shaky at times. But when he put, he put his body on the line, he was getting... Getting in about people, he, he was trying for headers, and that's be fair as well. Skills was missing headers too, so we can't well, miss out the negatives that the skills was doing. The, the if we're first, first minute was his fault, obviously. And then there was one in the second half where he, he let and he let somebody in behind him later on in the game. He let somebody in. I can't remember who it was now, but it, the Rangers nearly scored for it. I think they ended up getting a shot straight to Hart's hands, uh, and then Bernabe did the exact same. But that's Bernabe for you. Um, but no, I, I just think and. I watched it back, Steve, honestly, and I actually got a clip on, on uh, yesterday, uh, the full radio commentary on YouTube. I just listened to it again. I'm a, a boring person like that. And and I swear to God, the commentators, every minute or so, this was live radio, basically, and they kept on saying, what the fuck is this guy doing here? And I remember at the time watching the match thinking, this guy is going to do something stupid at any moment. Do you know that way? 
I'm quite a paranoid football fan as it is. We could, we could be fine all up and I still think we're going to beat 6 5. But I think Ralston was involved in that back four. That, that guy's been around Celtic for a good three seasons now, if you include this season and some of the. I think he's quite tuned into what it takes to play for Celtic. Maybe he's not at the level that he wants, but he's still experienced enough, you know what I mean? Um, uh, but I'm not entirely sure he did. Uh, <laughs> right, let's now focus on the Nagos, right? Because we're, we're going down no, that. I, was I think you. for, I yeah, 100%, but I think for me, Larga Bielka, he's, he's what a young boy. He's coming from Sweden and he's he done his job, I think, effectively at the end of the day. I do get what you're saying. I've seen it too. M- misplaced passes. He was slow to get rid of the ball. We were lucky when we got that free kick, but it was a free kick. It's been proved that it, it wasn't. I mean, you look at it as well. <laughs> Matt coming come to you about it. And again, international duty. I don't know much that you watch of international football, but from what I can tell anyway, from the Scottish point of view, they're in great form. And one thing I do want to say is, do you think international football should be parked till the summer and just let the, the club football crack 100%. on? It's a, it's a hindrance every time these international players roll around. Like I, I was gigging last night and a couple of mates were in the bar and I stayed to watch the Ireland game. And I only stayed because Ireland were playing. You, you know, mm-hmm. I, like, I had no interest, <laughs> like, but but it was just, it was on my mates. So I was like, you know, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a real Irish man if I don't sit and watch this, like, but it was, it bored the absolute life out of me, you know. Although I always think it was always just with Celtic I was watching. So, um, yeah, I think it should be parked. Um, Scotland are flying, by the way, but uh, yeah. yeah, Ireland, not so much, but yeah, definitely, definitely get a park. By the way, Ireland uh, last night, she and Duffy won in the penalty. It baffles me every time I watch that boy play football. He was so poor for us. Obviously, he had personal things, you know, but my word, he would be class, you know, under a Rogers or under an Ange. I swear. That's just, uh, just an RBC shade point, Nick. Like. Well, Do you ever play our game Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption and there's like side missions? I feel like this podcast has went in so many side quests tonight. <laughs> and it's, it's fun, like everyone's getting involved. It's good crack. And then, Mark, you look at it as well. I don't know how passionate you are about international football, but I mean, I think for, for me, Franny, maybe Ross to a certain extent, but William all loves the international football and he gets really patriotic about it and he loves Scotland, which is which is fair enough, Anthony the same. But I mean, you look at it, Stephen, Stephen Rice in the comments, it should be under-21s basically during the season, that type of stuff. But where do you stand on it in terms of, first of all, interrupting a club football season and also affecting your players' injury ways and momentum ways, confidence, because all that can be affected with one game. How many times did they lose Tom Logic uh, mm-hmm. to derby matches? I, I, I can't stand uh, the international football. I, mean, I think it should be restricted to uh, to an, an amateur sport, see like the Olympics. I think you can. <laughs> I think it'd be more exciting. I think it'd be a bit like a college draft in, uh, in the NFL. You pick the best players after the after the World Cup, and I'd play it once every five hundred years rather than every four years. I think it's a lot of shite, mate. I, I didn't even know Scotland were playing until Phil Phil told me on Thursday night. I, I didn't even know I didn't know they were playing England either until my dad told me uh, just yesterday. I think it was. I don't know sure. Don't interest is at all, mate. Honestly, um, I think it, it, it's not because Scotland are good, even though they've won a couple of games against probably. Mediocre teams, let's be honest. It's, who was it, Cyprus Spain. or something? Spain, Spain. Spain. Hey, no, I know they Spain, but I know, but I know, I know I've seen somebody, somebody was saying uh, on Twitter that 
how far can this Scotland team go? I went, well, they may get a win in a, a tournament for the first time since 1605. You know what I mean? They're not going to win the World Cup or anything like that. Come on. I, I, for me, I agree with you too. And anybody that goes, I hope you enjoy yourself. I hope Scotland win for you, honestly. But for me, it's a lot of shit. I really don't back it at all. I'm not interested. Yeah, I think I had more fun watching the Masters. I don't look down at you, catch that Masters competition. Oh, class. Did class. you watch it? Class. Did Gary Hooper is lethal. Still. This is what I was going to say, right? <laughs> I can just feel this one. This is what I was going to say, right? I was seeing the Masters games. I watched it and uh, the carpet. Did you see the carpet always putting up? It was, it was shocking. It was abysmal type of uh, pitch and stuff they were playing on. But when uh, your woman, Emma Vardy, I think it was doing the, the interviews and stuff, and I think she's a known Rangers presenter. But when she interviewed uh, Car- Gary Hooper at the end, when Celtic obviously won the trophy at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? We're coming away with silverware, even when we're 40 plus. He's, he's still a free agent and he's uh, looking for a club, and he basically offered himself to Celtic, right? Let, let's be fair here. It's not going to happen. Calvin, Calvin Wilson was out, obviously, bigging up his best mate. You expect that, right? But one thing I do want to ask both of you, and I think it's just kind of a wee bit of nostalgic moment, like the nostalgia that Phil McGinley does really well, acts mm-hmm. on the shows on a Friday. I think he's done one on Gary Hooper before. But in, in terms of Gary Hooper, Matt, what's one of your favourite memories of him in a Celtic shirt? Uh, doing Davy Weir for pace in the, the against Rangers. You know, I was coming across him and he sort of take it the other way. David oh, yes. Weir looked like he was running through Custard. And he was um <laughs> banjoed it. Uh that's 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 honestly one of my favourite Celtic goals like ever. Like yeah. I swear to God, I love the way that was an intelligent goal, you know, just you know, change the pace of your ball and like Davy Weir, I didn't know why it was Pancake Tuesday or Sheffield Wednesday, just absolutely didn't know where he was going. Uh, like like you said, in that competition there was a, a point mark where he took the ball. And I think it was Alan Hutton went over to challenge him and he, he beat him for pace again. We all know Hutton was quick in his day as a right back, but he put it in the top bins. And again, as I said, it's, he's never coming back to Celtic as a free agent. I think you would have a mental breakdown and it'd be, it'd be insane if we signed him. I, I, I tell you, so would I. Totally agree. But I mean, for yourself, Gary Hooper, someone said there he left too soon. Do you think that's the case? And also your memories of him, what's your favourite? Well, I forgot he only signed for £5 million to Norwich. £5 million. We, we lost yeah. a guy 10 years ago for £5 million. God. Oh, he, he left far too soon, Stephen. I think, um, well, Matt stole my memory because that's the one I was going to see when you asked me there. But do you remember the third goal in the last ever Old Firm game, the one I put in the top bag? Yeah. 25, 20 yards out. I remember oh, that. Uh, oh, it was a beautiful goal. He just stood up in the derby matches. He was he, he scored the Ibrox as well against him, and uh, I just thought he was a fantastic football player. He scored a cracker in Europe uh, against that Russian mob. Remember the kind of half under the keeper's arm, so it's quite hard to do. Yep. Yeah, I just thought he was a brilliant football player. I think yep. if he'd played another two or three seasons, he could have scored hundreds of goals for Celtic. Um, I just thought five Un- million quid. Fucking oh, unreal. Like you like you see what you're saying about the five million pound, but when you say it out loud, it actually does sound mental, you know, in terms of what people are going for now. His last, his last ever Celtic shirt is hanging. His last ever Celtic worn shirt is hanging in my dad's bar in his back garden. Is that just Was it? Was it? Yeah, my the brother-in-law was talking about. He uh he was marking him that day. 
Playing for Clifton Ball and got it. He came oh, on wow. a second half sub. So to, my dad has it. My dad show. See, anyone visits my house and maybe like the milkman comes in, money, 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 it's joyous. He just points it up. To be fair, I don't blame him. I think I would have that played a place. I'd put that probably on top of my, my bed and in the bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> <my> dad, <laughs> on the ceiling. On the ceiling. Yeah, I'd, I'd money. Yeah, he, um, but here, Gary Weber, what a player. But I mean, he's done like he is. If Sally said him, I have a corner. Here's one for you, and I'll come to you, Mark, for this as well, right? So, Edward Dembele, Kyogo, and Gary Hooper. Number them one to four. Edward Dembele. Edward's fourth. He's the last one at the moment. Edward uh, Dembele, Kyogo, and Hooper. Yeah. yeah. I think number one, I think. I actually really, really, really like Dembele. I think he was probably. Something missing out if he'd been a world class player. I thought that boy was outstanding. So, I'd probably put. Just my opinion, mate, right? Then Bailey, Kyogo, Hooper, and then Edward. That's probably my mind. But the first two can be changed over, I think. What about you, Matt? Mine would be Kyogo, Edward, then Bailey, Hooper. Oh, Hooper last for you. I think as well, like, I think it's a, a lot of people say it, like, if Gary Hooper stayed, then two seasons extra. Mm-hmm. He would be he'd be in the legend club like he would his goal return. I think it was what eighty two goals in hundred twenty odd games or something he had around about that. Anyway, it was something similar. Um, Brown Warrior, the Billy Google Hooper Edward, but like you, Mark. But go ahead. I think if if we had a, a mentally fit and a physically fit Lee Griffiths, he'd have scored about three hundred goals for Celtic. Hundred percent, hundred all goals for Celtic. You remember Dylas. Last season, he scored forty goals. Now, there was a video going about the time; it was just showing you the forty goals he got that season. See if you, you YouTube the, the goals, right? It's in a compilation. See the different. It was free kicks. It was twenty yarders. It was tap ins. It was just a, a, a total array of excellent goals. A he, proper finisher. He was like. I totally agree. He, totally he agree. Could have, he could have uh, see if he'd been at Celtic for. He was there for a while, about six, seven, eight years, roughly a win. Yeah. See if he spent that full time mentally and physically fit. He'd have scored about 300 goals for Celtic. I, I don't think he would have been that far, no in quality wise, but in terms of numbers, he wouldn't have been that far behind him with Larson. I think he'll not be in the equation because he's he's up to all sorts and he's texting Leon Lassies or whatever. But what a player he was, man. And I think it's his own fault that he's not included in that list that you just mentioned there, Stephen, because he, he probably had the ability to be deserved to be in that list. I, I, I left him out purposely. And, and it wasn't because of, of what he'd done. It was because the inconsistency levels, mm. at the times he was on the pitch and didn't perform. I mean, the 40-goal season was it. I mean, can, can you remember, by the way, people were saying after that 40-goal season, like two seasons on, if we get a fit and fair in Lee Griffiths, he'll yeah. score 30 plus. That was like the running joke. And you yeah. kind of forget the impact he had. But obviously, I mean, you can't discount the, the off, uh, off-field issues. And do you know what I mean? A lot of people are a bit offended by that and stuff. So I do I do see where people are coming from in, in that instance. But I mean, for Gary Hooper, Matt, especially, I mean, William on the podcast loves him. He's, it's like his love child or something when we speak about him. But I think overall, he left, I think as well, to boost his England chances. But what it does show... You moved to Norwich. I mean, can you remember Norwich striker getting an England cap even, or even thought about being in an England squad? So sometimes it's that proved that the grass isn't greener on the other side type thing. Oh, I would totally agree. The grass isn't greener. I think 
I think if you obviously none of us are talking to it, I think if you ask Gary Hooper that himself, he would he would he would say I left too early. Like, you know, grass is not green. You know, I think Joe Ledley, someone else, but he talks quite openly about it and quite openly. I know there was that sort of weak click of players. You know, Hooper Ledley. Um, who who else? Big Forster. You know, they're all mates. And I think Joe Ledley sort of he speaks about it in some podcast. I would need to find it where he says, you know, they all talk about it. I say, you know. We should have stayed longer, you know. We should have did that, you know. Celtic was a special club, and I think Hooper would would agree with that. That he, I mean, Norwich. He was never going to get into an England team playing for Norwich, and his goal return at Norwich was good too. But I mean, you know, unless he, you know, he he, he would have had a better chance staying at Celtic and playing the Champions yeah. League. So, I think it is mm-hmm. grass is always green. But I look back in this team fondly. I thought he was amazing for Celtic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. Like, and we're talking about Europe here quickly, and just to kind of surmise the podcast here, Mark, I'll come to you. We, we, Farnod up next. That, their manager Arne Slot rejected Spurs. Postecoglou ended up going to Spurs. He's a decent manager. They've won the league, and people are. Uh, I don't know. Some Celtic fans are thinking we're in with a chance against them. Me personally, I don't think there's nothing really to fear. I know PSV dumped uh, Rangers quite comfortably out of the out of the Champions League, but kind of taking it all into account and the group we'll have, what is the ambition for for yourself even, for European football, and what do you think needs to happen in European football this season? I think we have to get uh, at least two wins at home. I think if you, if you can if you can beat Feyenoord and perhaps Lazio and maybe get a point away after somebody, I think you'll get third place. I think third place is... is is probably the best we can get because that final team they're no mugs. I mean, they put seven goals past Shakhtar Donetsk, who we struggled against. In fact, they, they put eight goals past Shakhtar Donetsk if you include the away tie, and that, that was no mugs last season. The Shakhtar team. Yeah. Um, I actually think they went through last year with only losing two matches or something. So they're, they're definitely a, a bit of a team. I mean, um, for me, I think. Um, uh, if we can get football after after Christmas this year, I'd be delighted. But I don't think it should be a, a prerequisite for success this season for Brendan Rodgers. He's still building that team to, and building his, his style of playing. So I think if we don't have a fantastic season in Europe this year, give him the same leeway you gave Ange Postecoglou. For me, if we get third, I would take that, definitely. To see if we finish fourth, it'll be no disgrace because I know it's a, it's a good uh, group of course. I don't think it's a bad group. But yeah, it's still Lazio, Atletico Madrid and Feyenoord. This is no mugs. This is better than male face any day of the week in Scotland. Mm-hmm. I think as well, a lot of people are trying to take kind of solace in the fact, um, Matt, that we beat Lazio home the way under Lennon. But I think you have to take that into account. It was a di- La- La- Lazio were a completely different team. Obviously, I think it's Sarri's our manager now, different tactical styles that they had in Zaggy at, th- at that time. And they're no mugs. Feyenoord as well. They're no mugs. These are these are top European squads. And what 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 kind of annoys me? And Mark, I totally agree with you. But in terms of third place, fourth place again for me would be an absolute failure. I thought the last Champions League campaign was a failure. And I think for a club like Celtic, we're talking about European football and ambition and the transfers to match that ambition. So we need to go into the group with ambition in the first place to achieve anything and to achieve good results. I know Atletico home and away is probably. You would say, if now sitting at this table, Atletico was going to win. I think that's fair enough. But you look at Lazio, you look at Farnod, two home wins, maybe a draw somewhere. It could be a good time in, in, in that group in terms of get, getting third place or maybe pushing or, or luckily a bit getting second. So where do you stand on it? And 
Mark, again, I get what you're saying in terms of it shouldn't be a prerequisite. Totally agree. The league is always the bread and butter. We need to win the league every season. That's our success in the long run. That's what we love lifting them trophies at May, like you said. But for me, Europe needs to be needs to be up there in the priority list, Matt. Yeah. Um I don't think second is out of the equation what whatsoever. I really don't. Um that I, I think that Celtic Celtic need to you know, last year they missed Seven thousand fucking clear cut chances that they already want to score. You know, a different style of football. But Gary Hooper would have scored them. Gary Hooper would have scored them. Every game, I was banging my head off the wall. One <laughs> to be not scored. I fuck, you know, and it's. Uh, but I don't think seconds are the equation. But I sort of agree with Mark. I would take if you offer me third right now. I would take about European football after Christmas, and I think the Brendan Rodgers. I think he's learned from his time at Leicester you know, the first time we were in Europe you know, he was going to go ahead to PSG and go we're going to Poppies and Salford Park and we're going to have for seven see being at a team like Leicester where he maybe has to sit in he had to defend he had to sort of maybe hit teams to count there I think he's now a better coach and he's a better manager for it and I think that Celtic could be really well set up I'm not saying if we got Sagan we'll go on a run and win the Champions League because that's you know teams are on a different playing field than us but if that Rangers team of two or three years ago could do it in the Europa League I don't see any reason why not if Celtic got third, which I think is totally achievable. It's totally 1,000% achievable. Celtic with a manager as good as Brent Rodgers have every tool available to go on a run in Europe that could take us quite far in the competition. And that's what you offer me second right now. Take it. Get a big hitter in the last 16 and just go for it. But, you know, realistically... I think third place and then really have a crack at the Europa League. I think it's well within our capabilities. Yeah, totally agree. And to kind of finish it off, Brian Royer's come in, Mark, with a question for us. How many goals would Larson have scored playing under Pasta Cogley in the last two seasons? What What do you think, Mark? Oh, God. Uh, double wit in an MDL squad. I mean, he's a phenomenal football I, I've seen somebody, I'm not going to name them, they must have been about 20, 21 year old, so they never actually saw Larson play, right? But they were comparing Larson to Kyogo, right? And right. I thought to myself, I mean, this guy was, we say this quite easy nowadays, he was genuine world class. I mean, he finished yeah. his career at Barcelona, then went to Man U at the end of his career and, and made them a better team. So I think he would have scored. What did they get? We scored 50 goals in a, in a, in a good league. That was a decent league with Hearts playing pretty well. With Dundee spending mad money, run by the Italian mafia at the time. Remember that? Uh, <laughs> yes. Against, yeah. against that, I, I think this is, this is just my opinion. This is probably the worst Premiership in Scotland that I've seen in my lifetime in terms of the quality of teams. Last time we were scoring eighty goals a season in this league. You know what I mean? If he's scoring fifty against that, so and Angie's team with all the chances, poofed, double double MDL scored last season. Yeah, and Matt, you mentioned it. We missed 80, we had 82 shots on goal. I always remember Antonios. I don't know where he is now. He might be watching other podcasts, which is fair enough, but he always used to put in the chat. We had 82 shots on goal and scored four goals in the Champions League. And if you, if, if you take that into the league, we probably have numerous amounts of chances on goal, but didn't take advantage of. So Larson, for me, would have had a 50 goal season at least one time in that two years. What are you thinking on that one? See, for me, in the two years on their hands, uh, I think I think he hits a bricks a hundred bar 
over two <laughs> years. I really, I really do. Like in fifty a month season fifty hours. Larson was world like I mean world class. In my in my opinion, at his absolute peak at Celtic, he's in the, he was in the top top three to five players in the world. If for me, like in terms of striker, in terms of how good he was, he was absolutely and it's you know, and I, I you know, I was you know, I was I was a pup coming up watching him and I can always I, I, I you don't realise how good he was until you know you're at this and you're looking back on fuck me what a player. Ah, uh, you're talking you're talking, he he breaks on the ball. Especially like totally agree with what Mark said. That what Mark said there, um this being the worst, you know, premiership for a long time, I totally agree with that. I, I think he breaks a hundred goals mm-hmm. for me. Yes, no. yes, no. I, he's world class. Like, and maybe one day I'll struggle get near him. Like you said, Mark, maybe Hooper could have done that. So maybe, maybe Kugel could do it if, if he stays and he stays fit, obviously getting over his injuries. But lads, it's been a good podcast. Have you enjoyed it? Powerful, yeah. man. Really enjoyed it, man. Sorry about the lights. I, I, I could do remember that program, uh, Quantum Leap, remember? I sort of like with these stupid fucking lights. That's never happened before, so I apologise. Is that the that. disco lights from Parkhead, is it? Did you take one them for the night? Only £4 million, pounds, I can assure you. That. <laughs> What's going on there with that, mate? Um, no, no, I've enjoyed myself as always, mate. I'll be back on The Voice of Us on Thursday. I missed yesterday, somebody's show because I was working, but I'll be back on uh, Thursday for the, the Thursday night forum. And maybe a judgment day or something for Wednesday night, depending on what's happening. But I'll, you know where to find me, The Voice of Us, uh, on YouTube. Um, Get a plug in, uh, and thanks for having me on, mate. And then Matt, yourself, mate, you may as well get your plug in. You do your music. Whereabouts you going to be in the next few weeks? I so uh, for any Scottish listeners, um, I'm going to be in Grace's and Murphy's on the seventh and eighth of October, mm-hmm. um, and I'm playing the RV number one CSC um, on the sixth of October. For anybody going, meet myself and Ebert Lagan um, next week. Nancy Mulligan's Ronnie McCrory's the PD in Belfast and then the following week before I get to Glasgow I'm off to the Dominican Republic for a couple of weeks in the sun with the missus so and I hope you enjoy your time there and like you said Mark find you on the Boise bus I caught up with the Boise bus tonight and I think Jono he, he got, got ahead again in the, in the Sutton death which was quite well, fun to watch like I had to actually jump in two weeks ago and beat Jono for Boise because John was just getting Boise's number. I think Boise, I think Phil and John's got something going behind Boise's back. I'm not sure, but it's conspiracies, man. When you're, we all love, we all love the conspiracy theories, especially. Well, they're not conspiracies no more. We all know the refs are are cheating bastards. Like, but on that note, we'll be back again Friday night at eight o'clock. And stay well and keep safe. Hail, 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 hail.